The book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. And if you can, um, okay, maybe let's start with this one so that I can allow the media office to be able to go with us. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stay verse 9. Don't worry. Stay verse 9. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Can you again give us uh, Romans chapter 8? We read in verse 15 and verse 16. Satarabashe keterebosa. Romans chapter 8, we read in verse 15 and verse 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Can you go back again? Just We start again, verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery that enslaves you, that imprison you, that you may fall back into fear. The reason for fear is slavery, and that slavery is a spirit. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Say, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The spirit himself be as witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Nobody else but the spirit himself, the same spirit of adoption that removes us from slavery, is the one who testifies or who brings witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. I was told that the evening service is the school of the spirit. So we will just be going. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Say, Abba, Father. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The same spirit in Romans 18, 15, 16, that says it's the spirit of adoption, the same spirit who testifies, crying, Abba, Father. Let's end with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Maybe you can go 14 up to 16, I'll, I'll tell you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Say, Abba, Father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Next. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
16, yeah. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Can you go to 14 again? Just verse 14 again. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. We just stayed there. Can you close your eyes? I just pray for the word. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming before your presence and sit at the table prepared by you. We thank you for the saving angels that, O oh God, are bringing your word into us. We thank you for the spirit of God in us who reveals the truths of God. Allow us to journey into the depths of your knowledge, O oh God, that we may gain, O oh God, spiritual weight into this world. Lord, allow us to just delve in your weight that we might find our identity in you. We surrender our every human faculty for the glory of your name. And we command in the spirit that this is your time. Spirit of God, as you have laid in my heart, as we have spoken, may I just be a mouthpiece and you speak through me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Allow us just to talk in, I realize that I don't have time, so I have almost 15 minutes to finish whatever that I have. So the spirit will uh, assist. Amen. I just want us to speak shortly, and when God allows, we'll continue this topic. I'm not in a hurry because there's a lot that the Lord is doing in my heart regarding this. We have been talking in the church, and Prophet has been laying a foundation, particularly around the spirit or the sonship. And it came at the right time because my spirit was questioning the concept of sonship as we know it currently. And I think ever since Prophet has laid this, it has provoked my spirit and reminded me of some of the things that the Lord had spoken to me years back, four years, five years back, and it's only now making sense. Why the spirit of sonship? So there are a few things that I would, I would like to share with you and God willing, I hope that they will impact your life in understanding in depth and realizing what is at stake when you talk about sonship. And if you allow me, I just want us to, uh, to name this uh, talk that I want to give. I'm naming it a talk. Okay. What, what I want to share with you on the topic that says spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity, growing in sonship, growing in sonship. I believe there are two things that we must understand in sonship um, in order for us to reach the full maturity of sonship. And maybe just shortly to share why we need to grow 
and why we must understand the sonship. I believe that for us, if the Bible says, and maybe we have read it several times, so I might not read it, and I always quote it, so those who have heard me, they, have, they, they probably know that this is what I'll talk about. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 up to verse 6. If you are writing, write it down. The Bible says, if a son be an heir, if he's still a child, he remains a slave. The Bible emphasizes that the problem is not with the inheritance, which prophet is outlining, and I didn't want to talk about that because I'm enjoying how he's revealing the inheritance of sonship. The problem is not the father to give you the inheritance. Let me make an example. The Bible, when it talks about the prodigal son, the Bible says the prodigal son decided and said, he went to the father and said, give me my riches. Or give me what belongs to me. What is that that belonged to him? It was the inheritance. He says, give me my portion. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says the will or the testament when you you have a will before you die. It says you cannot access it while the father or the owner is still alive. It's only upon their death that you can claim the will. But in the story of the prodigal son, while the father is alive, the son comes and says, give me my portion. What the Bible was trying to show you is that the inheritance is not the problem. You know, I promised that I will stay there, but I can't. So forgive me. <laughs> The camera people, forgive me. I'm learning. Now, the problem is not the inheritance. But I want to emphasize this. That God has no issue of giving you the inheritance. And I want to guarantee you that the inheritance is there. The heritage that God has promised is there. And God has no problem giving you. The prodigal son comes and says, give me my portion. We have a lot of Christians who want their portion and approach the father and say, give me my portion. And the father has no problem to give you the portion. Why? Because we know that the father of the prodigal son gave him his portion. Even when he knew that he was not ready. But because he requested, ask of me, I will show you great and hidden of me. Ask and you shall be given. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. So the problem is not God. It says ask so that your joy may be filled. You can ask and God can give you. That's not the problem. The inheritance is there. The inheritance is guaranteed. He comes, the prodigal son, he says, give me. And the father gives him. What happens to him? He squanders the inheritance. It means that the reason sometimes God does not give you the inheritance, he's protecting you from the inheritance. A lot of us, we think he's a cruel father. Had he not given him the inheritance, he would seem like a cruel father. But God allowed the inheritance to be given so that we know the problem has never been with the inheritance. But the problem is the inheritance can destroy you. So he has to protect you. So sometimes when he says, wait, it's not that he, it's no longer yours or has been. It's deferring it up to the point where you are able to handle the inheritance. 
if my son is eight, eight now on Saturday or on Monday, if he says, I want a car, even if it's his, I can't give it to him. Right? Because even if he goes, he, first, he does not know what to do with the car. That belongs to him. That's why the Bible says, don't a son be an heir. But if he's still a child, I want us to stay here. If he's still a child, the Bible says he is still a slave. There are people who are still slaves to their inheritance. The inheritance is there. But their lack of growth causes God to not allow you to receive that which you've been asking for. And the reason I'm sharing today is for us to understand that we think that God has forgotten. We think that God does not want. We think that God is delaying. But we don't understand that sometimes God is protecting you from the inheritance. Say it to yourself, God is protecting me from the inheritance. Though a son be an heir, but if he's still a child, he's still a slave. And the Bible says he's subjected to elementary things. You know, some of the elementary things is, is that you are, you are still scared of demons. There, there are Christians who are still scared of demons. They are sons, but they are still scared of demons. You know, when you are scared of demons, you doubt the power of the father. And that's why God can't give you the power. Because yours, when you have the power, is to fight demons. But God is giving you the power to win nations. Psalm 2 verse 8. Ask of me, nations, and I shall give of you. We have moved from just chasing demons. Now we are saying, God, I want nations. And God said, I'll give you power. And with this big power, you're fighting demons. Like the disciples, they come, they say, Jesus, something amazing has happened. He says, what has happened? Tell me, give me a testimony. They come and they say, even demons, they listen to us. Jesus says, but that's, that's the bread of the children. That thing is given to you. And that's why you want this big prophetic gift. And God says, but you. You're going to prophesy demons, talk to demons. I, I cannot. The, the, so God says, I'm protecting you from the inheritance. If though a even though a son be an heir, if he's still a child, the Bible says he's still a slave. It means there are levels of relationship in terms of sonship. And the more you grow into sonship, the more access of power you receive. Listen to what I've just said. There are levels of growth or there are levels that you must attain for you in terms of sonship, for you to access that or that God has for you. It means as you grow to the next level, there is a level of power that is released. As you go to the next level, there is a level of inheritance that is released. So the problem is not the inheritance, it's your level of growth. And you are jealous of my level of anointing, but you don't understand my level of growth. And there are things I have to go through 
for me to go to a certain level of growth. There were times I could not sleep. I was fighting demons and witches, and I fought demons and witches. David comes and brings a testimony. He says, I have fought the lions and the bears, but now I can fight Goliath. Don't come to Goliath when you have not fought your lions, when you have not fought your, bear, your bears. When you come there, the soul wants a testimony. For me to give you the pulpit, where have you been? Because I might give you Goliath, but you don't even know how to use your sling. And when he was in the field at the backyard, nobody knew, nobody saw as he was learning to throw the sling. He thought it was just a game, but he fell in love with the game that brought him to his promotion. There are things that God is doing behind doors. They don't look like big. They don't seem uh, honorable. It does not seem like they get you anywhere, but it is your sling that prepares you for your Goliath. And when you have reached your Goliath, what you don't know is your next level of promotion requires your level of testimony. Saul so say, where have you been? I hear you say, you are not scared of Goliath, but I don't want you to be destroyed. Where have you been? Show me the evidence. And he say, my Lord, I have fought the lions. I've also fought the bears. And and, 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 and Saul remembered that he has not even fought the lions. He has not even fought. This boy has something that all the soldiers have not met. Your, your struggle is peculiar to where God is standing you. The reason you are not going through what your peers are going through, your neighbors, your colleague, is because your level where God is taking you is not the same as what they have. That's why your suffering, your struggle, your war seem different like all the other Christians because what you are carrying is not the same as what they are carrying. Okay, I'm... I'm Totally off what I thought I would talk about, but I'm continuing. <laughs> now, the Bible says, no, a son be an heir. But if he's a child, he is still a slave. And we, have you wondered when prophet preached so powerfully about the inheritance of sonship, have you wondered why it's not practical in your life? This is what was eating me as I was preparing. But why if I'm the son of God? Because your identity reveals your destiny. Your lack of, identi of identifying who you are defer your destiny. But as you find who you are in God, then you start to know where are you going? It is upon when the angel came to Gideon and say, Gideon with the same power. Because he was already powerful. But up until the angel affirmed him and said, you are powerful. He kept on saying, I'm the weakest among all. How can even you call me? The reason you don't want to do things for the Lord is that lack of affirmation of your sonship in you. And that's why you don't want to accept the calling of God where he's taking you. Because you are denying the identity that is in you. Your ignorance of your identity defies your destiny. Though a son be an heir, if he's still a child, he's a slave. The reason we don't see and we don't partake in the inheritance of sonship, 
First is because we don't know what sonship is, and I'm glad that prophet is bringing that to us. Secondly, is because we don't know what is the inheritance, and prophet is still talking about it. But there are other two things that I wanted to talk about quickly as I'm about to close. One is that we have to understand the fatherhood of God. The fatherhood of God. The verse we have read says, Our Father who art in heaven. There is a problem with a son who does not understand or has never been under the tutelage of the father. Because they forever seek identity in every other thing. Because it is the father who gives the identity to the son. It means you cannot understand your identity as a son of God if you don't know the father who is God. You didn't hear me. You would never understand your identity as a son up until you know the father who is God. That's why my surname is Mukwena. It's because my father is Mukwena. I identify with him. That's why the Bible says all earth and heaven is named after him, the father who is God. Because we find our identity, our existence, our inheritance in him. The father defines the inheritance. Write it down. The father defines the inheritance. If your father is a businessman, your inheritance will be business. If your father is a talented soccer player, not always, I don't know, chances is that you might have genes of soccer playing or sports. So that means the boundaries of your inheritance is determined by the riches of your father. That's why Psalm 24 says, heaven and earth, everything was made by him and for him. The Bible says he owes thousand cattle on the hill. Your father is big. You cannot be small. If you are small, you are small by choice. Because you decided not to know your father. There are certain things as a son, if, uh, let, let me tell you about me. My father is a pastor. So when I stand here, I have seen how a minister ministers for long. And I'm not doubting that I'm here because I have grown in seeing how he ministers, how he shares, how he lives his life. It's my inheritance. But a person who has never grew up in that environment, they have to learn. So I'm, I'm the son by being. Not the son by learning. I just become. Our problem is we, we, because we don't know who we are, we want to be sons. We don't become sons. The devil robs us in performing for the father so that we can prove to the father that we are sons. But the father is surprised. I birthed you. How can you prove to me that you are my son? And that's why sometimes it's so difficult for people to understand the love of God. Because we compare the love of the Father with the love of God. But we don't understand. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, 
he loved us. This father, Abba, father, my spirit and his spirit testify that he loves me. I don't care who says what. David says, even if my parents can leave me, but I have the Abba, father, that his spirit and my spirit agrees. Irrespective of what I've been through, I have a father. And I know my father loves me. Listen, God comes and says, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He had never said listen to him up until he affirmed him as a son. And telling him and telling us that listen, you don't know, this is my son. And it's only after that that Jesus started performing miracles. It does not mean that Jesus could not perform miracles. It just means that he needed to be affirmed. He needed to find his identity. Then things start happening automatically. When you start knowing you are a son, there are things you don't ask. You enter territories. You speak and you say, because I'm a son, sickness and disease don't have power over me because my father is a healer. How can I be a sick one when healing flows through my blood? Then you don't cry. Oh, Father, oh, my Lord, when will you heal me? And God says, but healing is a, is a crumbs of children. When you don't understand. The Father determines the inheritance. So it means that up until you know or you come to the end of the riches of God, you still don't know how big are your riches. And what is left to you is to understand the depth, the length of Jesus. Our problem is we don't want to journey into the depth, the length of who or of the love of God. We are still here at the edge of the river. But the more you journey into him, the more you find identity. The knowledge of God is a currency in the spirit. A lot of people do perform great things. The Bible says those who know their God shall do great exploits. The more you know how far wide your God is, certain things happen in the spirit without you crying, shouting, and doing anything. The Lord said to me as I was preparing this message, and he says to me, in this season, it is not your shouting that will make things happen. It is your knowing of your identity that will make things happen. The Bible says the world awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. The level of glory is dependent on your growth. That glory is suspended in your line of environment. But God is saying, come up here. This is where I want you to be. The problem is we want, to we want God to come down to us. But God wants us to come up to him. So that we can reach the level of understanding of where we, he is. And then we can take it to the world. Doesn't the Bible say we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. He says come up here. You are not supposed to rule from down here upwards. You are supposed to rule from up 
downwards. It means in the heavenlies, there's no limitations of money. In the, in the heavenlies, there's no limitation of power. In the heavenlies, there's no limitations of glory. The problem is the level at which you are at in terms of where God is. And God says, come up here so that you can take the light down, not take the darkness upward. Come up here. Spiritual maturity. Now, oh, the identity of the Father. For you to be affirmed in terms of your, your identity, you need to know who your Father is. We have read, the Bible says when he teaches us how to pray, and let me correct this very quickly. Uh, uh, Zuki, this is not a prayer, our Father who art in heaven, it's not for the unbelievers. Because you cannot call him your Father if he has not birthed you. And how does he birth you? He tells Nicodemus, he says you are birthed by the water and the spirit. Those who have accepted the word, the Bible says, he has given them a right to be called children of God. Now, it's, if you pray, you say our father, it does not matter how many times you do it, but up until you have that relationship with him, you are not allowed, or you can say our father, it won't move anything in any place. So it's not even a sinner's prayer. So he comes and he says, when you pray, say our Father. Two things there that are very important and maybe let's, let's close there. He says, our Father. You must recognize that there is a naturality in fatherhood, but there is also spirituality in fatherhood. We are birthed by him naturally because the Bible says when we have received him, he made us to be sons. But in the spirituality, the Bible says he has adopted us into the spirit. Right. And he says, our father, Abba, father, our father. It starts with our before it says the father. Mm, I wanted to sing just right there. It's our before our father. The approach to him must recognize the brotherhood. <laughs> the brotherhood. Before you call him father, you must know that you have recognized the brother who also calls him father. That's why the Bible says, how can you say you believe him, God, or you love him, when you fail to love your neighbor who you are sitting next to? That's why the Bible says, before you pray, leave your things there. Before you give an offering, go fix your things. Because if you do that, the Bible says, then it's not our father, it's now your father. Yeah, I think God is just judging somebody here. Let's, let's. It's our father. The, our lack of understanding of the brotherhood of God denies us our opportunity to get or receive the blessings of God. When you come to him, you must first recognize that I'm also his son as much as is his son. Therefore, I cannot just bring myself because before I realize what is this that my brother needs. My issue can be solved if I recognize the issue of my brother. Our father. Beloved, he's our father. <laughs> 
As much as he's your father, he's our father. I want you today, when you start praying, to realize that he cannot be your father if he's not my father. Therefore, you cannot pray against me because I'm also in the beloved. You block your prayer when your prayer is praying against me. Whether I'm saved or not, he is my father up until I receive. There are those who have not accepted him, but the relationship is open for them. So they are also my brothers, waiting to receive. Our Father, we cannot receive the blessing of sonship up until we recognize that it caters for the brotherhood. Oh, I, I don't have time. I wanted to stay on this one. The brotherhood of the beloved. You cannot worship him without recognizing that until you understand that we are here for him, all of us, he cannot be for you alone. Because he'll be a selfish God. That's why certain things he delays. So that you can appreciate the gift in the beloved. And certain things he does not give you, Moses. Fix the stuttering. He gives them to Aaron. So that you can be dependent in the brotherhood. There are, there are things that God does not want to release because they are a ministry of somebody else. The same weakness you are, trying, you are crying about is a ministry of somebody else. And up until you understand that we all have a stake, we all have a bread in this, you will still pray and pray and cry and cry and never receive. But once you start sharing with me what you have, understanding where I'm going through, speaking with me and going through with me, then certain things you don't pray for. Because God has already been the father. When you take care of your brother, you are already recognizing the fatherhood of God. When, 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 when you start saving your brother, you are already recognizing the fatherhood of God. And up until you recognize that fatherhood, your spirit repels your prayer because the spirit says, Abba, Father, we agree with you that you are our Father. I'm leaving this point, but the brotherhood. Brother, the Bible says, how will they know you are his disciple? It's when you start loving one another. When, when you start seeing that me and you, irrespective of color, greed, irrespective of where we come from. But when we are here, we are brothers. And when the world starts seeing that, they see the unity of the body. Then they start seeing the power of God. Because where one or two are gathered together in his name. The Bible says he is already there. But he, what stops him from being there is when you don't recognize the brotherhood of the brethren. Then you deny the fatherhood of God. Our father who art in heaven. Now the Bible says, now when you recognize that I'm your brother, when you come in relation to God, then you can come and say, our father. You don't have a right to call him father up until you recognize that I'm also your brother. Because if you don't do that, it nullifies him being father. How can he, be, how can, I have Lechanya and Sedi. How can Lechanya say, father and Chanya, then he's not my son. Because I've both birthed them. The fatherhood of God. And this is what the Spirit of God agrees with us. 
And that's why, um, I, I, I must pass on this point, I don't know why. But that's why some of the things God has not given you, because you have not recognized that they are not for you. They are for others. And if God gives them to you as just like a prodigal son, then you go out and squander them. Because you did not realize that the anointing has put on my life was not for my family. The money has put on my life was not for my family. The wisdom he has put for me was not for my family or for me. It was so that he can be glorified in me. And up until I realize that I serve you by who I am, then I deny the fatherhood of God. He's our father. I want to emphasize this point that he's our father. Why do we say he's our father? The fact that you are created by God does not mean God is your father. A very controversial statement, but it's true. We are all created by him, but we are not all his sons. The Bible puts specific things in relation to sonship. That those who have received him, he has given them the right to be called children. It means there are people who are created by God, but they are not sons of God. You are only his son when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It means that this sonship or this fatherhood needs something beyond creation. It needs relationship. And that relationship is what makes us to say he's our father. Now, it's personal because he is our father. I'm included in relation to him. He is our father. The fatherhood of God comes in us understanding that we are included in the beloved, but this is personal. It's our relationship with him. If God be the father, then he loves me. And the mark that identifies me as a son is the love of God. Is the obedience of God. We must agree that the Bible says he so loved the world that he gave his one and only beloved son. And God has sent me here to reassure you that because he's your father, he loves you. A lot of us struggle. We want to prove to God how much we love him when he has already proven how much he loves us. And sometimes it's because you want him to love you more than he loves me. But he's unable. He's unable to love you more than he loves me. The fact that God gave one one talent, the other one two, the other one five, does not mean that God is unfair. God knows our capability because he has created us. So don't be jealous with my five. Celebrate your one gift and work on it because it is dependent on your capacity. God loves you. Despite what you have lost, I came to remind you that he loves you. That before you can even accept him, he had already loved you. You cannot make him love him love you more than he had already loved you. Because while you were still dirty and unclean, he loved you. How much more now that you are in the house does he love you? And the devil always wants to prove that God does not love you. And a lot of us are cheated with the inheritance of God because we struggle to accept that God loves us. 
And the devil inflicts wounds in our spirit for fatherhood, murder, or loss so that we doubt that God loves us because we want to measure the love of God with how much we love people or how much people have loved us. I came to tell you that the love of God was there before your mother and father was born, before your boyfriend, girlfriend dumped you. The love of God had long seen you, had chosen you, had made sure that you fall into the trap of his love. You think it was by choice, but God had created paths. He orchestrated ways for you to ultimately come to him. The Bible says we did not choose him. He chose us. And the fact that he chose you, it means that he knows your weaknesses. God knows your strength. And after he has measured everything, your weaknesses, your strength, God decided in his own sovereignty and said, I love Sashka. And it does not matter what other guy, boy, uh, boyfriend, husband says. There is a God who has loved you before they were there. And even... When the prodigal son comes back, all we see is the loving heart of the father. Is that even if you have squandered the inheritance, the love is still enough. And that love can regenerate the inheritance again. Because from his table where he is, there is never lack, there is never running out. Even when you have run out of things, of love, of friends, you can still go back to the one who has called you, who has created you. God loves you. And all that he needs is for you to love him back. Don't prove that you love him. Just love him. My children don't have to prove that they love me. They must just love me. I cannot prove that my father loves me. I don't have that proof. I just know that he loves me. It is a knowledge within me that he loves me. By what I've been through, by what he has done, by who I am, it is a proof already that he loves me. By being the son, you are showing the love of the father. The last part is obedience. The father of God, the fatherhood of God is strengthened by your obedience. How much you listen to him. You can't say he's your father and you don't listen to him. The strength of the father is seen by how a son obeys. The biggest problem that a father finds is when he finds disobedience in the child. And the biggest struggle of God, if there was such thing, is you not listening to him. The words of prophecies that has come out. The word of God that you read. What do you say about it when you fail to walk in the same word? What does it say to the father? You are the son when you listen to the father. Jesus says, my sheep knows my voice. They listen to me. And he's still talking about the fatherhood because he's, he's talking about fatherhood, but he's likening it to shepherd. He says, my sheep. So if he says, my sons, listen to me. They know my voice and they listen to me. I came to let you know that there is no person who loves you in this world like God loves you. But for you to show him that you love him is by obedience. God requires obedience. This is the generation that must learn that we can't just talk about him. We must come to a point where we do like him. Because the Bible says we do not know what we shall become. But when he, he appears, it shall be revealed who we shall be. The fatherhood of God. My heart is pulling to say, you won't understand sonship 
if you don't dig deep into the fatherhood of God. And this generation has lost the fatherhood of God because we have learned the slavery mentality. We come to God as the master, but we forgot that he is the father. Who understands that you fail sometimes. Who understands that you have weaknesses. Who understands that you are taking baby steps. You don't have to come always to him as if you know it all. Come to him and say, Father, I can't do it. And when you come in that spirit, the, 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 the fatherhood in him arises. And the Bible says the father, when the prodigal saved, was sitting and waiting. I can see in my spiritual eyes the father sitting and waiting for sons and daughters to show up and say, Father, I have done it all. But all that I need is for you. Do you understand that the prodigal son did not return because he was feeling sorry, he was hungry? He returned because he knew the father loved him. There are people, even if they've left church, I, I, all that we have to remind them of is the love of the father. It is that love that returns them, knowing that if I go to the father, I can say, demote me from sonship, make me a servant. But he says, because he has so many, but because he's the father, he will give me at least something. But the Bible tells us, the father was still waiting. And God has called me to tell you, he's still waiting. You have tried friends, he's still waiting. You have tried colleagues, you have tried things, he's still waiting. There is that heart of the Father. And the Bible says, our spirit and the spirit of God cries out and say, Abba, Father. Your prayer is not complete up until it recognizes the fatherhood of God. That I'm not here alone, I'm not here lost, I didn't bring myself here. There is somebody who cares and loves me so much, who wants to guide my each and every step. And the Bible says he has good thoughts for me, good th thoughts that will bring me success. This father has blessings and inheritance for you. All that he's waiting is for you to grow up to the level that he can release them unto you. But you must first understand he's the father. Maybe the last thing, the father is the one who releases the inheritance. Don't be the prodigal son who demands inheritance. Because when you demand the inheritance without growth, it will kill you. It will destroy you. It will even destroy the relationship you have with the father. But the father in his own time, the Bible says, will release these things unto you. All that you have to do is to grow in your sonship. I was going to talk about six levels of sonship. God allowing will talk about that. But as you grow into sonship, there are certain things that are no longer problems, are no longer issues. You automatically deal with these things by your growth. And the father releases them. You don't have to fast. You don't have, to, and you must fast, but I'm, I'm just saying that there are certain things that you don't have to toil. It's just by you stepping into another level of sonship that the father gives you. As my son grows, I bought him the soccer boots because he's growing in understanding of playing soccer. I tried it when he was four years old, and they stayed up until now the younger one is wearing them. Why? Because he had not grown to the level 
of understanding of soccer. Now that he understands, he appreciates the shoes more. He even wants to sleep with them. He dreams playing soccer, being Ronaldo and everything else because the understanding of sonship has grown. What is it that you want him to release? Grow up. What is it that you really need? Grow up. Is it a car? Grow up. Do you have a driver's license? And I'm not, I'm here I'm talking about spiritual things even. There are people who want to run into ministries. Do you have a, a, a driver's license in ministry? I grew up in church because ministry will kill you. These people are ungrateful at times. They worship, speak in tongues. But they destroy you the next day. So have you gotten the driver's license of ministry, of giftings? You want to be a prophet? Have you got the driver's license of being a prophet? When people deny what God has said about your life, when people call you forced, uh, false because of the delay of what God has said, have you, have, you, have you that experience for God to release? Do you want a husband, a wife? Do we have the driver's license that God can release? What is it that you want God to do? He came to tell you the inheritance is never a problem. But he says, grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. I came to let you know you don't need anything. God has catered. The Bible says he has given us all things, all blessings in the spiritual realm. They are suspended up until you take the baby step. Maybe you are still crawling. Can you go deep in the word? Can you go deep in prayer? Can you go deep in fellowship? And from crawling, slowly and slowly, you don't understand that why am I struggling? You are crawling. You are crawling. They don't understand. Why don't you join them Friday night and you say, seek in the face of the Lord. This is the generation of those, I talk about Jacob, who seeks the face of the Lord. And from crawling, you start wobbling in your walk. You start saying, in the name of Jesus, all that pertains to godliness belongs to me. And in your baby steps, when you start learning who you are, you start walking. And when you start walking, you said, I walk by the Spirit of the Lord. God, every place where I put my foot upon, God has given unto me. And when you start walking, you start running and you start saying, they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up on wings like eagles. The Bible says they shall fly. When you start growing, there are certain things. When you enter the room, the atmosphere respects or responds to the level of growth. The reason they don't listen to you at work is because you have not grown. The reason you are still fighting your boss and whoever is because you have not grown. But when you allow growth, there are certain things that even when they speak, you say, Amen. Growth. The inheritance has never been the problem. That's my message. And because the father loves you so much and he's willing to release. But the Lord, because he loves you so much, he's delaying, deferring in the spiritual realm all blessings up until you grow. Do you allow me just two minutes? Just two minutes, please. Just two minutes. Don't tell the prophet. Just two minutes. Just two minutes. John 3.30 says, he must increase, 
and I decrease. Let's, let's, let's get the wedding right. He must increase. I must decrease. The problem is we think I must decrease for God to increase. Listen to the wedding. The verse says, the verse in the Bible says, he must increase and I must decrease. It does not say I must decrease so that he can increase. Your problem is you come with your false humility. You want to decrease because you think by you decreasing, you are increasing God. But God, God tell, sent me to tell you that he's God enough. He does not need your false humility. He wants you to acknowledge him to increase in you. The Bible says up until Christ is fully formed in you. What does him increasing mean? It means that because he's in you, he keeps growing in you. And as he grows, he gets into another room of anger in your life and the anger runs away. As he grows in you, he gets into the uh, room of poverty. And as he enters poverty, leaves. As he increases, he enters into a room of weakness. And as he enters the next room, the weakness leaves. That's why he says, I must increase. It means I must permeate every room of your life. And as I permeate, as I enter every room, you literally become small. It is not your action of becoming small. It is his action of increasing that decreases me. That's what the Bible says, he must increase. That's why Jesus says, not my will, but your will must be done. He must increase. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, that as we look in, as unto the mirror, we are being changed into his likeness. Because as he increased, you remember Jeremiah says, the water was at the ankles, and it went into the knees, and it went into the waist. And then he says, up to where now I can swim. It means as he, his, he, he increases, you get a measure of glory in him up until you float in the water that people thought you were going to die. As he increases, there, there's less of you. Let me say this very quickly. When you look at the priestly garment, they had to hide every piece of flesh because flesh cannot enter the presence of God. Any piece of flesh seen in the Holy of Holies, the priest will die and had to be pulled with chains. What does that say to us as Christians? Is that all of us must die and all of Christ must come up and rise, and then that's when we start accessing the richness of the presence of the Lord. We must, that's why the Bible says we must wear Christ. When we enter, the Bible says we come with our hearts sprinkled with that blood, and that blood covers everything of us. He must increase, and I must decrease. It does, it's not a function of what I do. It's a function of who he becomes in me. The fatherhood of God becomes real. And now when he is fully formed in me, I don't depend on anyone else. I depend on God because every area of my life is fully permeated by God. I don't see anything and I cannot do anything except that which God. Jesus says, what my father do, that's what I do. That's when you realize that there is nothing of me and all of him. Can you stand on our feet? I know I've been all over the place. It's just the spirit being. 
I hope that the Spirit will put it together in your meditation. But I want us just in a few minutes to pray for the fatherhood of God to be real in us. The fatherhood of God. When we realize and affirm the fatherhood of God, it affirms our sonship. It's not the son who affirms the father. It's the father who affirms the son. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You pray that let the fatherhood of God be real. And for that fatherhood of God to be real, you have to humble yourself to be a son. From today, allow yourself to accept the love of God that is so greatly, generously given for you. Secondly, start walking in the principles of God. I said to you, and you must hear this, and you must hear this again. God has no problem of giving you anything you have requested. All that he's asking you to do is to grow up. And ask God, I was going to talk about three areas of growth. We'll talk about that last time. But I want us to make this last prayer and we close, we go home. Uh, um, uh, just pray and say, God, let the fatherhood of God be real in my life. And Father, let, the, let me grow in sonship as I recognize the fatherhood of God. Let's pray.